Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Did you know that one of crypto's best use cases is also a tax-saving strategy? I'm talking about donating crypto to your favorite charity. The Giving Block makes it easy for the crypto community to support important causes with Bitcoin, Ethereum, and dozens of other cryptos. Choose from over 1,200 vetted nonprofit organizations, donate any amount, and then hold on to your tax receipt. When it's tax time, you could save big. Your donation could offset some or most of what you owe on that huge capital gains line. Make smart money moves while making a difference. To learn more, visit thegivingblock.com NFP. That's thegivingblock.com NFP. And let's show the world that crypto is good. Hey, this is NFP, the non-fungible podcast with me, D. Klein. Today's episode is brought to you by the Koi Network. Koi makes minting NFTs super easy and inexpensive. Just drag and drop your file using their NFT wallet, Finny, and Koi takes care of the rest. Minting costs as little as one cent, so you can create as many NFTs as you want. And when they're viewed by other people, you even earn Koi tokens that you can use to fund your next series. Check it out at koii.network. Kayla Crute from the Coin Network. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, first time. We've known each other a long time, but I'm glad to be on the podcast. Yeah, it's it's. I'm kind of sad that I can't see in person in New York. You know, we last saw each other in person in Miami, and that was a blast. Yeah. Um, you're going to go to New York, right? I am going to be in New York. I leave Monday. I don't know when this podcast is going out, but two days It'll be from out when we're Monday. Okay. Yeah. Well, Monday I leave, um, and I'll be there all week. Uh, but I'm really sad that you're not coming, and I wish you would be there. But too. maybe next time. Yeah, I'm really sad I'm not coming. For me, being a teacher as well, it's literally the last week of classes, and so Very any other time timing. I could probably take a few days off, you know, and get a get some coverage in there. But to do it the last week when it's like wrapping things up and exams doesn't really make yeah. sense to do that. Yeah, I feel like um, NFT NYC, listen up, you can't schedule the same as the last week of classes. Darren, okay, it's right? very no. important. Oh yeah, he should be there. <laughs> no, if anyone people, from American NFT NYC li- is listening, yeah. yeah, that's right. American listeners might be like, "What? He's still teaching in June in Canada? Classes go till the end of June, and then we start up in September." I know in many states it ends in like early June, and you're back in like early August. Am I right? Yeah, I think like people are doing some different stuff now. Like I haven't been in you know high school for a long time. <laughs> feels feels like a long time is a long time um but i know like i have um like my brother-in-law is a teacher and they they have they're doing like a longer version so they get like two weeks off for spring break and fall break and winter break and like a shorter summer um Mm -hmm. to have a little more consistency for the kids so right i get you it's a little bit longer on each end but you get more time off in the middle i guess so Plus side being, you don't have those huge gaps when kids come back at the beginning of the next school year and they don't remember anything from the previous year, right? Yeah, like they, it's like, it's like, do you, did you even have a brain? Like, did you go to school? And after the pandemic, it's like, no, actually I didn't go to school. So what do you want from me? But that's, you know, it'll be interesting to see the implications of that long-term. 
you know, because I can say as a teacher, they lost a significant amount of learning time there. They did. Learning time, like social, like Mm -hmm. growth as like, just as like being a child, like I cannot be more glad that the pandemic, like there are, there are, the pandemic was terrible. I'm not like trying to minimize that, but like, I wasn't a child. I didn't have any children. I was at a, you know, got myself into a job where I could work remotely. Like I wasn't doing that pre-pandemic because I was in the middle of this career transition, but I, it, it actually launched me to be able to really focus on the career transition, starting to build Mm -hmm. Koi and all of that. And it, so it came at like the most perfect time in my life. If we were going to have a two plus year pandemic and, you know, we all lost a lot, but I, it, it could have been a lot worse for me, I guess. Yeah, no, same for me. I mean, not to diminish again, not to diminish all the terrible things that came with the pandemic, but if you look at this space, how much growth happened, you know, being that people were reconsidering, like, what are my priorities in my life? Like, what do I really want to get out of my life? Or even a lot of people who were in jobs that they realized, like, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. It was like a midlife crisis for the world. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's the kind of thing where people were like, like, and you even see it now where they're having trouble hiring people back for a lot of those jobs that people no longer want to work those jobs under those conditions, you know, like, for example, I don't live far from, uh, you know, Banff, the mountain mm-hmm. kind of resort area, and they are having a hell of a time trying to get just staff people to just work as like waiters or whatever, because people are like, no, I'm not doing it. Right. You know, and yeah. uh, it's an interesting phenomenon when you look at how people have kind of questioned, like, I don't want to be in this position in my life. And so they've kind of tried to take take the reins for themselves. And crypto, of course, is a huge tool in doing that. Yeah. And I think we're sort of in this like beginning stages of like where a lot of people are coming back to unions. Um, people mm. are sort of understanding. I don't I like there are some things that I deserve to be able to do by the fact that I work a full time job which like for years and years, you know, we've had a lot of wage stagnation in the U.S. The national um, minimum wage is still $7.25 an hour. Is that how low it is in the States? It's, it, that's the national, a lot of okay, like okay, city, okay. like in Chicago, we have a $15 minimum wage. Oh, um, I see. And in Illinois, it's higher than, it's higher than seven twenty five. I don't know what the Illinois, so state by state, they can like institute their own things, but pretty sure in Texas, 725 like right. and it's or maybe and, like and places like say i don't know alabama or missouri or places like that where right places i mean costs of living are lower for sure mm-hmm. but between mm-hmm. the inflation i mean costs have been rising for a long time just like taxes mm-hmm. and you know I, this is not about taxes in any way like i'm a big proponent of this may be a bad thing to say on a crypto podcast but i think taxes <laughs> and social goods are important um, what social Oops. goods are a good Oops. thing what i mean you live in canada so i i'm not i'm not preaching to the choir here but um i mean i know a lot of people uh, in crypto are very very um libertarian and yeah i, I think there's a lot of good values to that but there's a limit well i think i think that like helping people is important and yeah. like you were kind of saying crypto is a really wonderful tool and like just being in this space and the communities even that I am a part of in this space where it's really all about helping people, mm-hmm. even like in the context, even an NFT project, I'm in a project where everybody's just like always wants to help out. You're like, 
like um this is a really silly story but yesterday I was like looking for like I was shopping for something kind of specific and I just posted in this nft project that I'm in I was like does anybody know where like I might be able to find this like one thing and like three different people were like have you tried this place and have you tried that place (laughs) it's like not and that's not like in the grand scheme of crypto being good for the world but it sort of talks about how people in this space want to help each other because we Mm -hmm. are here we've sort of seen all of the bad stuff about you know the current financial system or government system or any of the things you want to say um and people are like i want something different and so they want to like create communities where even though they're like internet communities where people are all over the world they're really they feel like real communities where you have friends and you have people who want to help you and even though if you don't know them very well they're you know they're good people and they want to they want to do something good for you well and that's where you know like when i talk about libertarian principles a lot of those cases it is better to just go with people that'll help each other as opposed to having some government agency that's running it inefficiently and wasting money and corrupt and taking the money and just using it for their friends or whatever right so you know there's definitely a lot of truth to it you know in terms of those principles but i mean at the same time you know people are if you go if you go full on like okay no regulation look what happens to you know uh, the environment yeah that's one example right where it's like hey if you're a company that's incentivized to make as much money as possible you're not probably going to care so much about you know the government if if i'm about the environment if that's if there's no incentive there to care about it you know what i mean yeah so yeah it's a complicated problem obviously and you know um yeah i don't know i mean when you look at the coin network i mean it it is kind of libertarian at heart right web3 is libertarian Mm -hmm. at heart in a lot of ways Web3 definitely is libertarian mm-hmm. at heart and being a part of Web3 makes Koi right. have certainly some libertarian principles. I mean, sure. This is something I've t- been talking about recently trying to I've been working on fi- the Finney wallet um mm. which is our cross-chain bl- crypto wallet. Um we've recently added like full Ethereum compatibility and are coming out with Solana compatibility really soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem, like I, I've been working a lot um, with like people who are like in security um, and how, how do we keep people safe? And also like, how do we bring people into Web3 with, 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 the, with the knowledge that like, if you lose this thing, that's everything. Like this is, you are the only person who has access to this thing. Like we're so used to, oh, I forgot my password. Click the link and somebody sends you a new password or somebody sends mm-hmm. you a code to log in or whatever it is. And the managing the the benefits of Web3 with the, oh, but like somebody comes to you and they're like, well, I lost my seed phrase. How do I get my stuff back? It's like, you well, don't. <laughs> right like it the the onus and the responsibility is then also in the hands of everybody individually right and that's tricky it is it is tricky because the reality is like you know if we're looking at people putting their life savings into something that's that precarious you know it's problematic well right we don't have the systems in place like 
when you log into your Google account, for example, Google has the systems in place so that you can like, it's not necessarily that they're backing up your password, but they, they've backed up the access and mm -hmm. like, I could do that. Like I can write down my seed phrase and put it in a safety deposit box. I sure. can, you know, do things like that. But for so long, the onus hasn't been on us as individuals that people don't realize or not, don't believe, like they hear it and they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll write it down later. Mm -hmm. And then if they don't do that, it, and, and, and it's tricky to like both do the education piece of it and also just shift the, the, the mental place to be in it that you're like, oh mm -hmm. yes, this is actually very important. And if I don't do this, I'm screwed. Well, and it does tie into that thinking again of the libertarian thinking, where as a society, when we have problems, we're like, hey, how's the government going to fix it? And it's like, well, maybe we could fix it instead. You know, <laughs> like we probably fix it better than they would. Do you know what I mean? So, yes, there is that side of it. Sure. And I think, you know, Web3 is definitely, you know, it fits with that way of thinking. Absolutely. And I think there's there's part of that is like a responsibility thing also, like we were just talking about with wallets, like on some level, I believe that the government has responsibility to not hurt its people in the way that it does funding and in the way that it, they do a lot of different things. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like, it kind of sucks that like we have to do it because they won't or can't or whatever. <laughs> but like, I feel like a lot of organizations, Web3 as a, as a, group being one of them is like, all right, well, clearly the government's not doing this. So how, how can we try? How can we mm -hmm. do our best to solve a problem, which I guess is the yep. whole tech industry. But totally. I guess it's just, where do you draw the line? Where are the limits? Right? Because too much government's not good either. Definitely. I absolutely agree with that. Um, and I don't want anybody to think that I don't agree with that. Um, but it's, it's, it's a hard balancing act. It is. Yeah. Well, and it's all a matter of opinion and perspective and different vested interests and whatever, right? Like, I don't know. What do you think of this whole, uh, Terra UST Celsius, all this horrendous market stuff going on right now? Or are we, uh, we talked a little bit before the show where, of where I think things are bottoming out. What do you think? I'm going to preface this with none of this is financial advice. Thank um, you. <laughs> I, I'm just going to edit that out. Okay, great. Awesome. But you'll, we I'm have kidding, the, the proof, the recording to prove um, when somebody tries to sue me, I'll, then I'll sue you and you'll have to <laughs> provide the recording. Um, I, I don't. Okay. What I'm doing right now is I'm dollar cost averaging <laughs> to yep. the best of my ability. I'm not going all in at one day. Mm -hmm. Like, cause I, I don't know that we're done crashing. I don't, I, mm. if you put a gun to my head, I don't think we're done crashing. I don't know how much we're going to crash beyond this. I, I'm not even in my own head. I don't have a number on it because I mm -hmm. am not a financial person. I'm not a financial expert. I hire somebody to do that for me. Um, but I have been taking this opportunity to buy. <laughs> I'll say that. Mm, uh -huh. um, and, and again, not a lot. Like I, 
I'm here to build. I'm not here to like train. Okay. Um, and yeah. when people talk about trading, you can, trading is a skill for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't have the time. I'm too busy working <laughs> to like yeah. know exactly what's going on in the market. I think um, the, like the Terra stuff and the um, Celsius stuff, it's always really scary to like see another one of them pop up where it's like, oh, and we're pausing another all trading. One. Yeah. <laughs> well, I heard, I heard there was another one. I don't even remember who it is at this point. Yeah. Like, it was uh, in the last couple of days. Yeah. yeah. And, and when people like, they say like, oh, cause this is in the best interest of all of our traders or all of our users or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. where is this in the best interest of your pocketbook? I don't, I don't really, I don't think this is in the best interest. I mean, at some, but at some point someone's going to get screwed. That's just how it works. Yep. Um, yep. And I think a lot of people have put in more money than they can afford to lose, mm-hmm. which this is financial advice. You should never do that. Yep. Um, so I, I don't, I don't feel like I have any real like insights into what's going to happen next or why it's doing what it's doing. I mean, everything's crashing, right? The stock market is crashing. That's, that's the thing I was going to say. I was going to say, okay, <laughs> the housing like, market. look at, look at tech stocks. It's almost the, mm-hmm. the chart matches Bitcoin almost perfectly. It's, it's not as volatile, but it right. matches the same pattern. It's just people getting away from risky assets. The problem we're having right now, of course, is that cash itself is risky, you know, because of inflation. So where do you put your money, right? Like, Well, that's been the question. I've seen it all over Twitter. It's like, well, if everything is risky, is any, like, obviously there's degrees of risk, but if, I mean, cash is risky. Mm-hmm. So then what, it, like, you can, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> On some level. Well, and even if you look at, say, for example, people go, oh, oh, oil, oil is going to keep going up. It's like, well, there's a few things that could happen where the oil price could crash, right? Like, right. You, you could have that change overnight. So, well, and also with the, some of this is also um, supply chain stuff. Like mm-hmm. you can invest in something that people need a lot of. Well, okay. But if the boats get stuck wherever the boats get stuck, or there's not enough in, like uh, of the workforce, we talked a yeah. little bit about labor unions. If the work, if there's not a workforce to, you know, farm the corn. Again, I don't know if people invest in corn. I don't really know how that works, but <laughs> it's, I don't, this is not going to be a good time for people and their money kind of yeah. no matter where you put it in the short term. Yep. You know, hopefully was, it'll was, all come back re- up if yeah, we don't I, see the fall I of feel like- the empire. I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like I was talking to you before the show about the bottom for Bitcoin, and I just feel like there isn't enough despair yet. Like, it, it feels like a ghost town right now on Twitter. Like, it's kind of quieter on Twitter, but it's not like panic and like devastation yet. I, I just don't feel like we've hit that point yet. I feel, and this is again not financial advice, I feel like <laughs> Bitcoin's heading down to eight or nine or 10,000, that kind of range. And then I think we're going to see a whole bunch of companies just go, we're done. Yeah. And that's, that's like pretty scary because so many people bought in, mm-hmm. you know, at 60, at 50. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, yep. and again, a lot of people put it, they think it's a sure thing or everybody's yep. been making so much money and you put in more money than you can afford to lose. Yep. And that is when it gets scary. Yep. 
I say, you know what, just, just, you know, my approach is just, you know, hang on and uh, we'll get through this and, you know, give it, it's going to take time though. Like, cause this all yeah. cascades over into everything, right? It cascades over into the NFT market. It cascades over into all kinds of markets, right? That's the thing. Like if you look It'll at the It'll cascade markets, into unemployment. Yeah. Like people are going to get fired. People have already started to get fired. Coinbase wide yeah. is laying off 18% of their workforce. Yeah. yeah. It's like a thousand yeah. people. This is depressing, Kayla. <laughs> Sorry, this is where we are. We should, okay, in like six months when the, you know, okay, I don't know if the market's coming back in six months. When the market is like doing okay, or even just like at a steady bottom, we should do this again and it'll be more fun. Another episode, yeah, a little more positive. I was curious about that in terms, because you, uh, you mentioned you're going to New York. Yep. What's that, NFT NYC, it's generally considered the biggest NFT event of the year, I would say. I would say. Okay, and of course, last year it was like woohoo, everything's great. Actually, last year was still not the peak, though. Correct? Am I right? Yeah. So last yeah, year was, was like in October, well. but everything everything yeah, was good. Was, Parties were fun. It was going good in June. You know, now this it was year, later. I'm it was curious. in it was like October. Yes, I'm last curious year. what the vibe's gonna be like at NFT NYC this year. What do you think? Um, it, I think it's gonna be wild because people are gonna be drinking away their sadness. <laughs> with the open bar no i don't know i don't know i think i think people who are in nft projects that like if you're if you're in a project that you really believe in and you still believe in and your founders are still working and building and putting stuff out Mm -hmm. there's no reason to like despair unless you bought in at a price that you couldn't afford because Mm -hmm. I, th- I think part of what, like, to this point, people have thought of NFTs as a, is really for flipping for the most yeah. part. Not mm-hmm. saying that everybody, I know there are people out there building really cool stuff, but most people are buying NFTs because they think it's going to make them a lot of money right. um, and they can flip it later. And, and if that's the purpose of NFTs, somebody always loses because somebody sure. buys high and the, then can't sell. Um, but if we think about NFTs as, and I hate to use this word, but I'm going to use it really for utility purposes, <laughs> like for, for certain things, like to access, to be part of a community for, you know, supporting like not nonprofits and stuff. I almost just said NFTs because it has almost the same letters, <laughs> nonprofit. Um, then you're buying, you're buying something kind of like you buy a pair of pants. You don't expect to sell those pants for more than you paid for them. Right. You buy them because you want them and you're going to use it and you're going to get the thing out of it that you paid for it. And then maybe you'll sell them to Goodwill or a thrift store down the line and make a little bit of money, but that wasn't the purpose of buying them. Right. I hear you. And so if we can sort of shift the frame of reference to I am part of this project because they're either they're doing something that I support, they're giving me something um, intangible or tangible other than a flippable NFT um, and all sort of those different aspects of it. NFTs sort of, we vault into the next level and it's no longer mm-hmm. gambling and it's no longer just for like crazy people. It's more like buying a concert ticket or donating to an organization you believe in or something like that, which people Mm -hmm. do all the time. Sure. You know, it just maybe 
doesn't make you absurd absurd amounts of money for what about for like being fine early. art what about fine art collectible nfts that kind of genre what happens to um that? art will always be something that people want i think um mm -hmm. i i have bought nfts before because of the art um right. i i mean there's you can there's a little painting on my wall i went to yep. a um i went to a like little art fair and i bought art because i like it and i think right. that like so that's the utility digital media right well and and that there was like a, a few a, like a week or two on twitter where everybody was like oh utility and it's like art doesn't need utility it's like the utility of art is that i like looking at it and i yes. want to see it in my home it's enjoyment entertainment right yeah. or even it could be supporting an artist that i think does really cool work and mm -hmm. that's something that i want to be a part of and so there there are different aspects of that but i mean how long have people been collecting art like zillions of years sure that's not going anywhere and i think like moving into a digital medium is not that again not that digital art is new um, but in, in like the blockchain space and, and the, the ownership aspect of it, um, and ha being it being very traceable and tra tracking ownership and provenance and all the other words that we use about art, um, like that, that is utility in itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, I talk pretty regularly to people who are still new to NFTs at this point, even. You know, and they're like, oh, you know, I, uh, I, I can't name any names, but people who are successful artists and they've just never had an NFT strategy added to their portfolio, I guess you could say, you know, who are like, oh, I'd like to get into this. Right. And there's still people interested in using the technology and adding it to, you know, their portfolio as another means by which people can enjoy their work. So yeah, I think, and I know, also think having regardless like regardless of the market conditions, they still want to you know tap into that. Well, and I think it's a it's a useful thing to have, and having an NFT like that's maybe paired with a real life piece of art, like mm -hmm. that has use, and it's not just that like oh somebody wants to buy an NFT, like somebody wants to buy a piece of art, and if that comes with digital provenance, great. And if that's a piece of art that like, you know, framing art is expensive. I could get a digital frame and just have that on my wall. Like sure. it's not that different to me anyway. Totally. Yeah. Quick break here for the giving block. In the past year, the number of nonprofits accepting cryptocurrency donations increased tenfold on the giving block. Since 2018, the giving block has been making it easy for nonprofits to modernize their fundraising by accepting crypto donations. Organizations of all sizes can sign up and get started in no time. Nonprofits are saying that crypto is the future of fundraising. Find out why at thegivingblock.com slash NFP. That's thegivingblock.com slash NFP. Hey, in cooperation with the Coin Network, I am presenting Atomic Zombies by D. Klein. You can find these at atomiczombies.io. We've got 10,000 zombies that will eventually be available, each with their own set of random generative characteristics. You can watch your zombies' characteristics unlock, emerge, and evolve as they receive more attention online powered by the Koi Network and proof of real traffic. Check it out at atomiczombies.io.
Hey, let's talk specifically about Koi, though. Let's talk okay. about some of the stuff going on at Koi. Uh, one of the recent things you had was the uh, content collective, I think is the term for it. Yes. Explain that to the audience for me. So a content collective, um, we are envisioning it as a new kind of, it's like a DAO, um, mm -hmm. but it's media focused, community owned, which of course DAOs are community owned. But um, one of the things we're trying to take some of the, the wordiness, the jargon, the DAO out of it. But, but it's really about um, having work, whether that's art or writing or research um, for, for one community in one place and being able to contribute to that community and then earn the rewards of you know, the work in that community, whether that's yours or other people's as part of the collective. Um, and one of the really cool things that we are working on with this is having upload, basically you can upload to the blockchain for free. You don't have to pay any tokens and we're calling it progressive permanence. So based on either the attention or, um, you know, the, the collective gets to set those different standards for how, how things get, you know, more permanent over time, but to have, have a system where if you earn enough attention rewards to go to the next step of permanence, like basically moving from IPFS, which is temporary, and you know you have to have an IPS, IPFS node to pin things, um, to maybe Filecoin, or if we're or pay a little bit more and go to Arweave for permanent storage. So having this this way to not have to pay up front, and then you know if people like it or if people think it's valuable or if you decide, yeah, this is the one that I want to make more permanent, you don't, you can, you can do that after sort of it's been in, in the public sphere. It's a little bit like market testing in a way. Mm -hmm. um, but storing things on blockchain can get really expensive. Mm -hmm. And that's a big barrier to entry for a lot of people there, are, especially if you're in a place where the currency it has a lower um, rate, you know, to Ethereum or to Bitcoin um, sure. and you make less money. And then it's like, okay, like a $200 gas fee is insane. Sure. Um, and, and if you're not going to make anything, if you're not going to make $200 off it to pay the gas fee, I know that we have much lower gas fees these days, but um, it's like a quarter of an ETH. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Um, I'm just gonna go right over that and not even acknowledge. Um, if, if, if that, that's a, that's a big fee to pay to not know if things are going to be worth it or to like, to, to yes. actually generate revenue. That's a high, that's a high cost. And cool. that really stops a lot of people from being able to contribute. And so if mm -hmm. we take away that cost and then they can do the permanence part later, there's a lot more accessibility to a wider right. to a wider range of creators who like really have something to contribute but just can't afford to right now. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So that's what we're really excited about. So is that all done via the Finny wallet then, or how is that established? That whole system? so like how does we a user are, get involved in that? We are um, working on a mobile Finny right now, okay. actually. Um, 
where content collectives will sort of be embedded in that. And okay. to create a collective, there's definitely going to be a little bit of code upfront for now. Eventually we want to get to a place where you just like click a few options and it'll write the contract for you and stuff like that. Right. Um, but people on our team would definitely help out with that if anybody wants to create a collective. Um, the first one, we're working with an artist in Australia and he has a, um, he's worked with, I think, eight other photographers to create a collection of electricity poles. Um, and the, oh. the project is called Polarity because those are the photos of the internet. It's like the infrastructure that actually makes the internet. And the way that you join is you go out and you take a picture of, you know, the light pole down the street um, and you can become part of this collective just by leaving your house, taking a picture and uploading it using Finney. Hmm. So that's sort of the first, the sort of our, our trial content okay. collective. Um, and so you're, you're logging in via the mobile Finney wallet, uploading your photo and then via that you're joining this collective. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so that's like the sort of the first step, um, mm -hmm. which we're excited about. But we did publish a paper because there are like several technical considerations like to creating a content collective from technology to permissions to, you know, how are, how are people gonna be involved in your project sure. um, that, that go into those contracts. But it's exciting, that's what yeah, I'll say. Yeah, for sure. That's very cool. I was listening to your space the other day about the nodes, Koi nodes, and how that was something that uh, people get, get, get can get in on. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I that do want really to talk about that. Um, yeah. We're really excited. So this is coming out sooner than Finney, the content collectives in Finney Mobile. Oh, okay. Um, okay. We, well, at least the very, the first stages, we do have um, like 25,000 people pre-registered to run a node. So oh, not, wow. Okay. Yes. Not all 25,000 of those people are going to get to run, run one right away. Um, right. But we are basically going to be renting compute power from people's devices. And that in the first iteration can be your laptop. You know, I'm going to run my laptop while I'm sleeping. Down the line, it's going to be phones. Um, my business partner, Al, who you know very well, has a little tiny Nokia phone that's like <laughs> maybe three and a half inches tall. It has a SIM card and eventually that will be able to run a Koi node as well. But basically, Koi nodes are our response to, you know, all the other nodes out there where it takes a server farm to run an Ethereum node or you have to like pay so much in like computational power. We have a chip shortage. We were talking about supply chain issues earlier um, mm -hmm. to like having these really high powered computers. Well, if you have 25,000 of them or 50,000 of them, you know, when everyone on our current list is running one on their laptop and on their phone, um, you don't need a server farm because you have 25,000 computers. Sure. So you're going to be able to do really, you know, some really simple things and even some more complex things, depending on what, like if you have a desktop gaming computer, for example, you can run way higher tasks. And that could be anything from web scraping to, you know, our attention game, which is um, how we distribute rewards to the coin network for the attention that they're, they're earning. Indexing, Oracle services, 
any project that mm -hmm. needs to use nodes because they need multiple computers can write what we call a task, which is just you know some code asking the computers to do this. They offer a bounty, and then your node can compete to you know be the first one to do the task and get more of the bounty, or just complete the task and get tokens, basically for doing nothing. So it's kind of like a proof of task completion kind of mechanism. Would that be well. So, so for the example of like web scraping. Um, yep. In order, like when you're hitting a, a, a website multiple times from the same computer, they like flag you and they're like, no, no, you can't do that. But if you're doing it from a bunch of different computers, you can gather a lot of data in a way that you mm -hmm. couldn't do just from one computer. Um, right. And you can gather data. Maybe this website has a different homepage in the US or Canada or another country. Um, and so there's a lot of uh, work you can do with data for that, that you're actually, you're like fetching something and then you're contributing it to the network. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a bunch what, of different What I mean to say to is, you know, if you look at say Bitcoin or Ethereum, they're using proof mm -hmm. of work where it's really just a game that it's looking for a combination of numbers. Right. And whoever gets it first wins, right? You know, whereas you're basically rewarding actual completion of actual tasks that people want done somewhere along the network. Yeah, it is, it is kind of a proof of stake system because you do have to stake tokens to make sure that oh, okay. you are, um, doing, you're not like saying that this is what's on the website when it's really something else. Um, oh, okay. So it is, it is a proof of stake. So it's a bit of a um, hybrid process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And then if you, if you are like, have done it faultily, like if you, if you did something malicious, then there's, there's an audit process as well in that. And anybody who's like found to be and this is obviously all computational. It's all already programmed in there. Anybody who's doing, you know, something bad, their stake gets taken it's gonna, away. It's going to penalize then their stake, right? Yeah. It penalizes their stake and it also penalizes their reputation. So as uh, you like run a node for longer in the system and you do it well and you, you know, are always honest, basically you get your reputation goes up and then that can be correlated to like certain things that you're allowed to do or people can set like I only want nodes who have been running tasks successfully for X period of time. Um, oh, okay. So you kind of, you can get access to higher level or like maybe more expensive things mm -hmm. um, to earn more. Interesting. So I'm just trying to picture it, you know, cause I've done a little bit of mining back in the day when I was first mm -hmm. dabbling in crypto, you know, and what that experience was like on my old computer. I think I mined Ravencoin. That was a good one. <laughs> And, uh, I've never even heard of that one. You haven't heard of Ravencoin? What? No. I'm like, anyway. as as it goes, I'm like fairly new. I've only been around for a little less than two years. Okay. Anyway, no, it was, uh, it's still, you know, it's still out there. It's, uh, it's one of the, yeah, it's an interesting project. But anyway, so I was... I was using my computer for that and, you know, it made a little bit of money. I didn't make a killing off of it, a few hundred mm -hmm. bucks, whatever. But anyway, um, I'm just imagining like setting this up on my computer. Like, is it going to be something where there is like, uh, you know, a nice user interface for this kind of thing? Like, oh, or is yes. it going to be like a, you know, because I'm curious because when I was doing it, I remember being kind of, I don't know, clunky with when I was back in the mining days, you know, and, you know, having to tweak things on your computer and then your computer thought it was a virus, but it wasn't a virus, <laughs> oh, no. you know? It, well, because 
they didn't go through all the certification processes and whatnot. So, you okay. know, Microsoft Windows would be like, oh, this is malicious. It's like, no, it's not malicious. It's just mining. <laughs> right <laughs> you know oh, but anyway uh, i don't know like tell me about the user experience with that so it's gonna be very simple um we have a user interface we are currently building it um and basically the onboarding you create a pin to secure the node so that like people aren't like logging in and screwing with your money whatever um you create a pin you select some tasks and then you go, I'm missing one small step. Hang on. There's another step in there, but it's very simple. You like, it's, okay. it's, we're setting it all up for you. And then, mm -hmm. so that's like the onboarding flow, just so that you can see, like, you know, see some tokens start to come in very easy. And then there's, um, you know, you have sort of what I call the homepage, which is where you like all the tasks that you're running and all the statuses. And then you can add tasks to that, which is a similar page where it shows you like, this is who made the task. This is how much they're offering. Um, this is how much you have to stake to be a part of this task. And these are the requirements for your computer. So different tasks are going to like need bigger computers basically. Sure. Um, so there are some tasks that like won't make sense for me to run on my laptop because my laptop just won't be able to handle the processing. Um, but anything that says like low computer requirements, easy, done. You'll whip I'm, out your Nokia phone and... <laughs> Exactly. Um, those are th that's going to maybe need like a separate category for like mini or something. Um, but we're working on making it easier to use. We're like I'm working on adding like just like click the minimum stake button, so you just okay. You don't even have to like decide what you want to stake. You just do whatever yeah. the minimums are. I'm working on batch actions, so you can be like, I want to run everything, um, yeah. and like automated so things. Like you do have to have your wallet sign it. Oh, that's the thing I missed. You have to fund uh -huh. the wallet. Of course. Um, so let me get to that. Actually, that's a good point. You know, when it comes to funding the wallet, like mm -hmm. we're still at a point now with Koi tokens where, you know, it's not so easy to get a hold of Koi tokens. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've done it with attention seeking zombies that get rewarded <laughs> with tokens. Yeah. Um, but the average person doesn't have a collection of zombies to do that with. So that's true. how is the average person getting a hold of koi tokens right now? So we're still doing um, the attention rewards. We, yep. you know, definitely not putting a date on it because I don't even know what that date would be. Um, Cause that's not my side of the business um, for, but we will have, we will have like a token public sale. Mm -hmm. um, again, as we've talked about the depressing state of the market, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Um, but there will be a point where we can buy tokens. And right now we're still running on testnet just to like get people testing. Like we may do like a little beta, like a closed beta where we invite mm -hmm. some of our partners to do that um, and send them the tokens to stake. Um, but a token, a public, a token public sale is coming. I promise. Interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's funny talking about the atomic zombies. And of course, we've done a couple of waves of zombies so far. And I mean, yes. at some point in time, we're gonna have another wave of zombies coming out. Yeah. But let's talk about uh, Koi network improvements. What's going on in terms of, you know, the work you've done upgrading a network and getting it, you know, up so, to speed, so to speak. Well, it's funny you mentioned up to speed. So the, the nodes are coming out soon because we, um, we just launched what we're calling K2. 
K2 uh, is the second version of the Poi network. It is a Solana fork. Um, nice. So it is incredibly fast. Uh, it's very secure. And we there were we didn't use Solana because there were a few things for our proofs of real traffic mechanism that Solana wasn't compatible with. Um, okay. But we do really like you know how it how it works, how fast it is, the instant transactions, stuff like that. Um, K2 is not going to be like a place where you store a lot of data, but K2 is going to connect with other storage networks like Filecoin, like Arweave. Um, we may do other, you know, anybody who's listening, if you have a storage network and you want to pitch me, DM me on Twitter. <laughs> um, because we want to give people options. And so the storage of content or files or anything like that is going to be through a decentralized storage network. Um, okay. And K2 is going to run the transactions and K2 is what powers the nodes. So the nodes all work really fast in conjunction with K2, which is why the nodes have been on hold for so long because we've been upgrading our network. Of course. Um, but it just, time. but it is running. It is up. It is running. Tasks are working. So, you know, pretty soon if you, if you need a, you know, 25,000 computers to do something for you, Again, hit me up and we can help you write a task that will work with our network. Um, but it's pretty cool. Now, I mean, what you're doing here, a lot of people don't realize like almost everything that's currently, like people will talk about, you know, um, decentralization, but most stuff that's theoretically decentralized still really heavily depends on some pretty heavily, heavily centralized entities, like say Amazon Web Services, yes. for example. Right. Okay. So for the average person who's listening may not realize this, but when these big companies are talking, yeah, it's totally decentralized. They're not, they're running on web two infrastructure. And I think for a lot of people, that's kind of just an oversight. Like, can you talk about how Koi is actually like approaching decentralization in a way that actually is authentic? Yeah. So I'll start with Ethereum NFTs. Most Ethereum NFTs, the um, the media file has the media file has to be stored somewhere, and storing things mm -hmm. on Ethereum is incredibly expensive. So it's either some people some people use IPFS, which is decentralized, but like you have to have your own personal node to pin that thing. So that file is still stored on your computer. Um, a lot of people use Amazon Web Services. Um, and, and some people do use decentralized storage uh, for like fully decentralized storage. The kicker is a lot of the hosting is done through, you know, classic web two providers. Again, sure. Amazon Web Services is a big one. A lot of people who offer say, you know, oh, well, our, all of our files are, are stored in a decentralized way. Well, those are getting shown to you when you want to look at them through a very centralized um, hosting service. And so what the coin nodes can do is the coin nodes will act as that hosting service. So you can pay tokens to the coin network to run your task, which is hosting your content. So anytime somebody goes to a website and they wanna look at your art portfolio, for example, um, then the coin nodes go and fetch the content and serve that content to your computer. 
and and a lot of we, we have some issues with people who say decentralized applications dapps the shortcut right because everybody talks about oh it's decentralized everything is decentralized and it's really not because of the aws you know doing the handshake in the middle or some other similar reason but with koi like that is fully decentralized if the tasks are running we can't take it down amazon can't take it down you know every everybody really it's powered by everyone's computers so it's like i can't shut down the network i can only shut down my node mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well and that's like if you look at these stories we talked about earlier like celsius and terra and stuff i mean those those are still heavily heavily controlled by just a few people right like it, it People will talk about UST like, oh, it's an algorithmic stablecoin, but yet it was still heavily, heavily controlled by just a few people. Like that is not decentralization. Do you know what I mean? Any anytime you get an email that says we're halting trading on our platform. Yeah. <laughs> unless that's written into the code, which again is written by a person who decided that if their if their income stream gets um worried basically to a certain extent like that's that's not decentralized like if, if anybody can tell you actually you can't do this thing with your wallet with your money with your tokens with your anything they have control over it not you and sure. it's centralized you see the same thing with these sanctions and how like say for example artists on OpenSea or uh known origin recently where they have to comply with those sanctions legally Right. And because they're centralized in a location, say, for example, like Known Origins in the UK, they have to comply with UK laws. So it's not yeah. necessarily that they're bad for doing it, right? I'm not saying that. But they, mm -hmm. there is a central agent there that's controlling that. Right, which on, in some way is like the British government, <laughs> which yeah. is not what, when, when we're, we're, we're trying to create sort of this very accessible web three where you can you know it doesn't matter who you are it just matters that you're like creating art but because there's that sort of regulatory bit you don't have you don't really have control and again i'm not blaming any company that is located no, in a place because yeah. like Either those those people can't use it or no one can use it because they'll mm -hmm. just shut you down, right? Or they'll exactly. sue you until you're broke or whatever. Yeah, it no, is. I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying they're, you know, a lot of people do blame them. Central forces. Yeah, but but a lot of people do blame them, and it's like, okay, but you maybe you don't get it <laughs> That's because possible. like they might not they don't, understand, right? Because like they don't have really have a choice. Um, no, I mean beyond you know, moving the location of their, you know, business entity, I suppose, um, right. to like Gibraltar or, you know, similar that, I mean, what can you do? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's an unavoidable problem in those cases because of the centralized nature of those structures. But how do you, how do you make something like OpenSea not centralized? Because it has yeah, to be I a mean, business it, it, organization, right? That is founded in some country, presumably, on yeah, some I level. Suppose. Um, 
I mean, I don't know if you look at like, like something like the Koi network where someone were to build something on that, could it be fully decentralized in such a sense, in such a sense that it could not be shut down? I don't know. I think you'd have to have, I mean, you'd have a creator and whether that creator is a person right. or a business entity. They have to be located somewhere. Right. I mean, unless you like make a sound, <laughs> make a spaceship and I don't know who governs an in interstellar law at this point. Um, but like some, so the, the way that the world is set up is such that I guess you could get on a boat and go to international waters, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. but you have a passport, right? And in order to do that and you know we're you know i'm not a legal expert and we can, <laughs> we don't need to get into this but just the the way that it the way that regulations are set up is that you are liable to somebody right yeah and we are really far away from having that be so decentralized having anything be so decentralized that you can't be liable to any government i think right i mean the mechanisms themselves i think it's you know it's better for those to be decentralized because then you don't have the same ability to like for example you had a tweet about um wikipedia Mm -hmm. and russia and what was the story sure. that they were what were they storing working i think it was that wikipedia was or not wikipedia sorry um the russian government was removing access on the russian on russian internet to wikipedia right. right that's what it was and that's a good example of where if you did have a web3 structure there that they would not be able to repress that nearly as much as they are able to as of now. Absolutely. Um, because, and that's, but part of that I think is because Wikipedia is not a Russian organization. Fair point. Yes. So if I don't, and I don't know where Wikipedia is based, um, but I imagine that should the place where Wikipedia is a business entity, I mean, somebody's paying the bills, right? Somebody has to be complying with, you know, whether it's like GDPR or whatever it is. Um, if that country wanted to take them down, it would be really hard to do it. It would re mm. be really hard to access it, but like, or to, to, to stop access to it. Mm -hmm. But again, this is a legal question more than a technological question. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Napster when it was heading toward <laughs> its last days, and they they relocated it to some oil rig off the coast of Iceland or something. Like did they that. really? Yeah, no, they I, Napster was a little before my time. <laughs> yeah. They, okay, that was a little jab there, Kayla. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's called the old again. <laughs> uh, but anyway. No, they actually moved it into, like you said, international waters, but eventually it got shut down anyway. Yeah. I mean, so. it, to, to shut down, to shut down a decentralized Wikipedia that's running on Koi, you'd have to, pro I think you'd have to shut down every node that is it, running it. It'd be quite a task to do that. Well, right. That's <laughs> yes. Um, and that, that would be very difficult, especially because they are distributed worldwide and you don't have mm -hmm. the power to go and shut down somebody's node who doesn't live in your country, presumably. 
Um, and it's not just running on AWS where AWS can, Amazon can just go, yeah, right. just turn them all off. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and like, and, and you could say, well, you could just shut down K2. Well, K2 has nodes also that are going to be distributed, um, which is like a separate, it's kind of a separate node that runs mm -hmm. the actual, the settlement layer itself. Um, but again, there will be many of them and they will be not all in one country. And so, so, so the, the actual act of shutting it down would be very difficult, but it doesn't mean that like the organization who created that thing that they're trying to shut down wouldn't be liable for it, I guess. Right. Um, that said, Koi is a foundation and it doesn't have any, I don't know. Anyway, legal stuff doesn't Let's matter. Let's not get too deep into the legal yes. waters. I just think it's very interesting, right? Because, you know, you think about the implications of, you know, true decentralization. And it's, I think of it like a spectrum, right? And mm -hmm. in reality, for some things, it's totally okay for things to be centralized. You know, like it's okay sure. that, you know, certain services are centralized and I know where to go to get my help and I can talk to a person and that kind of thing, right? You know, and for totally. other things, it's, it's better for it to be decentralized, right? And, you know, it's, it's just interesting, all the implications of it. Yeah. Well, and I think going back a little bit to like the Celsius and the um, Terra stuff, like the people, like people are shutting off access to your money because they took your money and played with it in a way that would make them a lot of money uh -huh. in theory. And so they no longer, and this is kind of, you know, this is what banks do, but um, so it's not really different, but they, they are promising you a certain amount of return or whatever it is, because they can go and get more return, they think, and make a lot right. of money off of your money, which means they're not keeping your money, which means they don't have it to give it back to you. And it's like, we're, we're playing games that we can't afford to play whether that's on a personal level, which, you know, maybe isn't true or like an industry and or organization level. Um, and it's just, there, there are, I have thoughts about like how banks make their money and all mm. of that. And it's like, this doesn't seem right. No, it doesn't at all. When you look at like fractional, how that works, like, if Bob brings his thousand bucks into the bank, right? And then the bank takes that money and lends it out to somebody else. And then Bob comes back and wants his money. He takes his money back out. Like, where'd that thousand dollars go? Do you know what I mean? Like, right. you know, um, and, you know, in Canada, the, I don't even think there's even a, a a reserve anymore on how much a bank has to keep of that person. Seriously? Like, I think they, they got rid of it. I think you can lend out the whole amount. Even in the States, well, I don't think it's very, do? I think it's only like 10% or something like that. Fractional That's crazy. Reserve. Crazy. Right? In the States, in the States, I believe it's a fractional reserve of 10% for most major banks, like big banks I'm talking about. Right. So that means 90% of that money can just be like, basically what you'll get is out of a thousand dollars through fractional reserves, you get about a $10,000 money generated in terms of it being lent out. Right. Because crazy. It, it's a crazy situation, right? And so that's why you have, when you have these bank runs, you know, you have total devastation because there is no money right. in the bank, right? Well, exactly. And and that's why people are shutting down trading. It's like, they don't have your money to give back to you. It's like, well, what did you do with it? And give me back my money. 
Sorry, we lent it out to other people who were irresponsible with it. Right, exactly. <laughs> right? Well, and it's and like, just... um, sorry, the Nexo co-founder co was talking, I think this was just a few hours ago, and he was talking about how a lot of these companies, they gave in unsecured loans to, like, for example, Three Arrows Capital. That's what he was oh my saying. God. And now they're on the hook for that money. Uh, Nexo never did. And so they're, he says they're they're doing great now. That's just his words. It's just him saying that, right? Um, but he's saying what his expectation is, is that over the next period of time, companies like his who didn't gamble with the money are going to acquire a lot of these failing uh, entities and say, yeah, we'll buy you at this percentage of your value, right? Right. Because, you know, try to make them whole so to speak at least to some percentage right for the retail investors or they're for... or they're dead in the water right and uh he was actually saying that within 12 months bitcoin's gonna be a hundred thousand dollars all right i mean like <laughs> i thought you said this was the guy that doesn't gamble <laughs> that's how he ended the conversation on the news he was like yeah and I, I firmly believe Bitcoin's going to be a hundred thousand dollars in twelve months. I'm like, what? That's that's uh, that would be impressive if if that call. That's yeah, pretty good. I think that's that's yes. And I think, but what you what you were saying about like and these like banks and other like lending platforms are going to get bought up. I think that's kind of true where the market is now of like a lot of projects, like a lot of the stuff that was here just to make money and wasn't like trying to like really solve a real need and a real, like had a, had a really strong purpose. Like that stuff's going to get flushed. Right. Mm -hmm. That there, a lot of, there was a lot of money poured in because there was a lot of money in the system and now there's not. Yeah. And so like the things that maybe aren't as strong, aren't going to make it. And that's going to hurt for a lot of people. A lot of people who put a lot of money in a lot of people who that's their job. Um, but I think that overall ecosystem is going to be healthier for it because yep. there's going to be less kind of garbage roaming around. Yeah. That's a little hard. I mean, the unfortunate side effect of it being that your average person or in this, in, in NFTs in particular, your average artist mm -hmm. is going to have a hard time making an earning in this space for a while, right? Like that's definitely I, true. I get people contacting me even just this morning. Someone did who really wants to get into getting their art on in, into nfts and mm -hmm. i was just saying to him hey like right now you've just got to be patient because you're probably not going to sell your art as an nft right now especially if you're new right yeah. um people are not going to buy it you know it's uh, a lot of a lot of very successful very popular artists are not selling their nfts right now because of the current conditions so you know and yeah. what i was saying to that's the, to this really person, difficult. yeah i was saying this is the time to maybe build up a collection, you know, get your style established that people can see who you are, uh, get connected into the community, you know, mm -hmm. join Twitter spaces, check out places like Koi, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, become a part of a community, but don't expect to be making money here right now if you're, if that's, you know, what you want to do with NFTs, because we're, it's going to take some recovery time, I think. Well, according to the guy from Nexus, Next, Nexo, I think it was. Oh, Nexo, excuse me. Um, yeah. But yeah. You better hurry because like... you only got 12 months. <laughs> oh, God. Well, but I think, but I, yes, it's going to be very difficult for a lot of people. 
if you're just getting into NFTs as an artist and like art is your main source of income, you know, hopefully I guess the whole market is crashing, not just the crypto market. So that's a little difficult, but like, if you can use this time, like, you know, don't quit your day job or don't, you know, if you're a full-time artist, like don't, don't move away from the things that are currently employing you, but start, like you can start minting your work as NFTs Mm -hmm. if that's, you know, what, where you're going. And, you know, people are still buying things. They're not, certainly not buying things at the rate that they were when, you know, ETH was at 4,000, but they're, there is still movement. And I also see, especially now that every, that the costs are so low, like gas fees and stuff to mint, this might be actually a really good time to start minting and just like getting your face out there and getting your work out there. As long as you're not expecting that this is going to become your primary source of income tomorrow, because Mm -hmm. you're right. That's just not going to happen. Unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, I was super pumped to get on Maker's Place. I was like, hey, achievement mm-hmm. unlocked. This is awesome. Nice. And I, I got on Maker's Place. I minted my Genesis and the market crashed. Oh, no. <laughs> no. That's okay, though. You know, it, you know, I do feel like, you know, we're just going to have a rough period here for a while. And, uh, you know, it'll, like you said, flush out a lot of the stuff that doesn't really belong. Right? Yeah. And, it just uh, unfortunately might take out some really valuable artists with it who just can't. It's going to hurt a lot right of people now. who. Yeah. Who, it's going to hurt a lot of people who you know. Well, it already has, right? Like there are mm-hmm. people who you know have been working on this for the last couple of years and have seen their earnings just get wiped out, right? Yeah. So. Unfortunately, yeah. being an artist is really hard. <laughs> being an artist, just is tough. generally. Yeah. I mean, I came. You know this. I came. I came to blockchain from art and it, I came I came to tech because I wanted to make things better for artists because I couldn't make a living mm. and is that something that you want to kind of revisit at some point um yes I would love so I was I was a for anyone who doesn't know a set designer and a prop maker for live theater um I'd love to go back to that I think I think it will come in the form of like doing community theater as opposed to trying Mm. to do theater professionally because the hours that you keep and the, you know, having, especially I have a partner, he has a regular hour job. And, and when I was 20 years old and living abroad, I could do it and I could, you know, work at the opera and get home at two o'clock in the morning and be fine. Um, and I loved it. I really did love it. But when you have a partner and you want to like establish a social circle and all of those things, keeping the hours of somebody who works in that industry is really, really hard for Mm -hmm. so little pay that I don't think that that's really for me again. Again, I loved Mm -hmm. it when I did it, when I was, you know, young and vivacious, um, and had all the energy (laughs) and drank a lot of coffee. Um, but I'd love, I'd love to go back to the, the creativity of it and sort of the community of it. And I think I can do that without trying to do it professionally. Interesting. That's very cool. Huh. Yeah. Anything in terms of arts you would maybe look at doing eventually in the blockchain kind of space? I would love to see how we can do, 
and this is not necessarily blockchain. This is more metaverse stuff, but like I, mm. I'm a, I'm a sucker for good immersive theater mm. and to like figure out live theater how, in the metaverse, even if it's not like live, but just like having okay. this like immersive, it's almost, right. if it's not live, I guess it's more like a video game, <laughs> but, um, sort of that those choose your own adventure okay. here in, in a place as opposed to sitting in a chair. Um, I've always found that really fascinating. And I think probably people who are more creative than I could do some really, really wonderful, beautiful stuff with that. Um, mm -hmm. And my feeling is you probably would wanna have a headset, like a VR headset for that, as opposed to just yeah. like doing it on your screen. But at some point, kind of like with smartphones or even computers, the prices will come down Everyone will have one. Um, and then you can do really cool things with like sound, like locationing um, and have they, like the sound is really over your shoulder and you can turn around and like have really that experience. There's a, there's a big world out there, I guess. Mm. But what do you think is, of Facebook or Meta's huge gamble spending gajillions of dollars on that stuff? It's hard for me to say because I have a very I think biased opinion about Facebook as many of us in web three do, but like the ways I feel about Facebook, I don't think are the, um, like what the median person in the world thinks about Facebook. Okay. Um, I think it's smart that they are exploring it. I think it's risky <laughs> that they're like betting everything on it. Hmm. Interesting. Because I think the the innovations are are going to come from. I think a lot of the innovation will come from like smaller places, yeah. Which then you. they may steal. Which just gobble is, it up. Those buy it. Yeah, or that. Yeah, yeah actually. I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. We got the money. Yep. But. Well, hey, anything? Any other little tidbits you want to drop about Koi or? Have people uh, look out Everybody, for? I know you do these. I know you do these Twitter Spaces pretty regularly. They're always when I'm teaching. Yeah. Well, so we do them. We unfortunately do them at the same time every week. Um, but you're done teaching after next week, yeah, is what I've right. been told. So we need to have you on our one of our Twitter Spaces yeah, coming up. Um, I'll figure out what what topic. If there's anything you particularly want to talk about, um, let me know, and I'll make sure it happens. I can think of something. Cool. Um, we can think of something too that you would be appropriate for, for sure. That would probably um, be helpful. <laughs> we do. We have a weekly Twitter space. It's on Wednesday uh, at eleven thirty Eastern time for the U.S. and Canada. Um, and I'll be in New York. So if anybody wants to like come and say hello, uh, you can DM me on Twitter. Everyone should sign up to run a node because we're going to start releasing the beta um, and we will do that in cycles. It will be first come first serve um, to- Where do, they, where do to, they sign up? Um, so if you go to my, I will make a pinned tweet. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. That's going to have, um, actually the pinned tweet on the Koi Network Twitter is the pre-registration. Okay. I will, I will I'll, probably- I'll have, I'll have your tag. I'll have your handle in the description. Amazing. Perfect. Yeah. So if you go to at coin network on Twitter, um, the pin tweet right there will be the place to register to run a node. They should be coming out soon. Again, I'm not going to put a date on that because 
it only comes back to bite me. Um, and okay, that's it's a really simple form. It's just first name, last name, how you heard about it, and then why you're interested. For other, you can put you heard about it on NFP. Yeah, that's amazing. There's <laughs> must be some kind of contact, like put your email. Uh, yeah, and then there's email, of course. Yes, okay. Sorry, I, didn't <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> At the bottom, you enter your email. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to register. Yeah, sorry. Right. That, that was kind of an important point. I was like, uh, I was like, wait, did we like severely <laughs> mess up this form? <laughs> no, that was just me being stupid. Um, yeah, and so it, so that's gonna be fun. It's coming out soon, mm -hmm. and we're really excited to be able to show people. And then that's a good way to start earning Koi tokens as well. I'm just, um, I'm just filling it, in the form right now. You haven't filled in the form yet. I'm filling it in right now. Okay, well, I'm glad. When I click um, other, oh, I can't say how though. That's that's the only downside. Oh, well, I can get them to update the form. Yeah, because then I could say I heard about it, you know, from Kayla. Kirk. Right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, On Twitter is fine. <laughs> <laughs> right on. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's what I'll say. Um, follow me on Twitter, follow Koi Network on Twitter so you don't miss the announcements. I also, um, I don't, I, I won't say that I'm funny on Twitter, but I post a lot of silly things in response to other people's silly things. Entertaining to follow you. I'm registered. I That's all it took. So. It literally Amazing. took like two seconds for me to register. Perfect. Well, yeah. good. So well, pre-registered. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you very much, Kayla. It was really good to talk to you again. And uh, I do wish I was coming to New York, but you know, maybe uh, sometime in the next few months, there'll be some event we can meet up at again. Yeah, no, it was really great to be here. Thanks for finally having me on the show. Looking forward to doing it again in better conditions. Um, yeah. I'm looking well, forward know, one to year, seeing man. you soon. 100, 100 grand Bitcoin is coming. <laughs> not financial advice. <laughs> no, this is not financial advice. <laughs> Thanks right so on. much, Jared. I Thank appreciate Thank you very much. It. Okay, take care. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.